0: Welcome to a special bonus episode of Real Talk Arkansas. We have a couple great guests lined up today. We have the team from Rock Hill Studios who did a short film that is really doing great out on the festival circuit right now called Blood on the Risers. And it was shot here in Northwest Arkansas uh, last summer during the pandemic using COVID protocols and they pulled it off and made a really great film. So we're excited to have them here to chat about it. And also, we have um, Dwight Chalmers. And if you've worked in film in this state, you have met Dwight at some point. Really great guy, and he was has been the go-to sound guy for a very long time in Arkansas. And we're gonna talk about his career, how he got started, and where he is now. So sit back and enjoy. Over the last few years Rock Hill Studio has been doing great things with filmmaking in Arkansas um, they have brought in features that they have co-produced on and they have also worked on their own productions such as the new short film Blood on the Risers and Blood on the Risers it is a tale of, about post-traumatic stress disorder it's a historical epic of sorts that is in with it you know 20 minutes long or so and so it's just really amazing what these guys are able to pull off shooting it here locally in northwest arkansas uh, during quarantine lockdown of 2020 and they really put together something magical they had a great team and today we are going to talk to writer director caleb fanning director of photography and producer blake elder and producer Dan Robinson. So I want to welcome them to the show. Today we have some special guests here, uh, some filmmakers right up in Northwest Arkansas in Fable. Uh, we have Caleb Fanny, writer-director, who has a new film out with Rock Hill Studios' Blood on the Risers. And from Rock Hill, we have Blake Elder and Dan Robinson. Thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you, and it's exciting to see, you know, you guys were, were able to pull it off last year. While everything was getting shut down, uh, you, you guys were able to push through and, and make a film happen. But first, you know, let's kind of uh, catch everybody up on Blood on the Risers. So, Caleb, if, if you would kind of walk us through the process, you know, tell us a little bit about the film and, and how it all came about, how you guys got connected and everything. Well,
1: it was an idea I had for several years, and it kind of went through – all different eras until we finally concluded it was going to take place in the 40s with world war ii but it was always centered around ptsd and how it was untreated and not recognized in that era and so i uh, at the the Blake, and we kind of came up me and him both with the story that line of the story and then it was just the writing process from there
0: okay well, well tell us a little bit about the plot of it
1: it's about a soldier in world war ii comes home and basically uh he has to fight with a um, his inner demons. Basically, uh, he sees he sees his his PTSD resembles, you know, a, a friend, a ex partner in the, the military, and and his wife has to figure out, you know, what's going on with him because she's, you know, she's not familiar with PTSD as well as he is. So neither one of them know what's going on, and it's his struggle of trying to uh, conquer conquer this PTSD as well as uh, keep his family together.
0: So why was this an important subject for you to write about and you know, ultimately make the film on?
1: Well, Blake and I have both been, uh, you know, very interested in World War II, World War I, his, historical military. And we've always known that back then it was just, it was, it was passed over. Um, People didn't know what to call it. They didn't have a name for it. They called it what shell shock and battle fatigue and all different things. And there was no right treatment during those times. And now everyone recognizes PTSD from the modern wars. And we wanted to get out there that um, PTSD is a current. This thing's been going around for generations, centuries. And uh, these people struggled without anyone even knowing about it.
0: Okay, so I had, had, have you guys worked together before? How did you uh, get hooked up?
2: Yeah, we, we've we known each other, oh my gosh, probably since like first grade. And um, both of us have always had a passion of filmmaking. And, and so throughout, you know, I guess our journey of, of becoming filmmakers and things like that, we, we have, you know, it's just a natural uh, connection in terms from a. DP, director relationship of, of how we work together. And that was really, um, uh, that. it's just, I'm trying to think of how how to say this. It's just very organic in terms of, of how we communicate and work together and how we tell stories are, are pretty much identical. And um, so it's just always been a pretty natural relationship.
1: Blake can read a, a scene from my screenplay, and see the exact same shot I was seeing when I wrote it. So we're always on that same page.
0: That's awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, all the roles. So, Blake, you were a cinematographer on it?
2: That's right. I was cinematographer, a producer, and editor.
0: Okay. And uh, Dan, uh, what, what was your role on it? I was a producer on the film. Okay. So, um, so as well, let's, let's talk about yours a little bit just to expand because producer can be such a broad thing. What were you uh, doing to get everything ready as producer?
3: Sure. So, uh, when I saw Blake and Caleb uh, were doing the prep work for this film and it was extensive and it was incredible and then they approached me and asked if I would be interested in being part of it as a producer and I was very eager to. It was a really ambitious project. I could tell that it was going to be Uh, an amazing accomplishment if we were going to be able to pull it off so um, that was how I got involved Uh, and then we just kind of went from there and uh, it was really exciting to see how we were able to get so many people together even through a challenging time Um, but my role is really to help get all the pieces put together to make it happen they had an incredible vision and uh, we had to pull together a crew and locations uh, and then make sure that we were following a brand new set of rules that we had never had to play by before. Um, so that was, that was a great challenge. Um, and I, I was really proud of how we were able to pull it off.
0: Well, let's talk about those rules for a second. What kind of uh, on day to day, I mean, so yeah, I was talking to someone earlier uh, who works, you know, it works in the theater and was just like saying that she, for her production, they're going to have to like not be around anybody for like a while, you know, uh, cause they're prepping for this uh, play. And so, for you guys I mean did you go into a bubble for a couple weeks or were you doing like the drive-through COVID test daily? How did that work out for you?
3: So we were essentially just ahead of the bubble model model um so what we did instead was testing and then comprehensive screening uh the at that point we were doing really comprehensive screening uh to make sure and then once we were in production everybody understood i would say that the the bubble did occur once we got rolling because everyone understood that we had to keep a contained uh, group of people and then everyone stuck to their own respective departments Um, And then we just had systems that we did not compromise on routine wipe downs and gloves and of course masks and sometimes double masks for uh, anyone that had to interact with talent that was not able to wear a mask at that time. So um, it was steps like that that ensured that we were able to have a safe production.
0: Okay. And how long was shooting, by the way?
3: Um, We had three days of principal shooting and then we had two pickup shoots after that.
0: Okay. Okay. So l- let me throw this b- out to I- anyone who wants to take it. So you're doing a historical, uh, you know, piece on, I-, I assume, fairly, you know, fairly limited budget, given that it's a short film and everything. I- t- walk me through all the ways uh, that you guys pulled this off to ensure accuracy.
2: One of the biggest things for us was, you, you know, with the settings, we, we kind of had this conversation about, uh, if, you know, what-, what can we use for our, our advantage? in this region. And most of those we kind of pinpoint uh uh was it Shiloh Museum, um, the train station, and we have an excellent ark the Arkansas Air Military Museum here locally. Um and you know what was great about the Shiloh Museum was not only were their buildings nineteen forties accurate, um or even maybe just a little bit earlier, um, you know, they're they're equipped with um, power drops and uh, stations where we can hold talent and crew, so we weren't out in the middle of you know in the middle of nowhere, um, and it's right in downtown in, in Springdale, which was nice. Um, and then of course the Arkansas Air and Military Museum, they you know with with working with them with, as a partner, they you know just. As you could imagine their their planes and their vehicles um, just cranked up our production value um, and not to mention you know not only did we have those locations, but we still had to have our art department come in there and really dress it for for our story um, and so with pairing those two up, yeah, I think it really came together um, and then of course, just naturally like like Caleb mentioned earlier, just you know being a history buff and, and liking World War 2 we we really dove in deep on the details of um you know their insignia patches and, and things like that and the uh, their wardrobe and military items so and that was a blast were you guys able to find
0: like online where you could purchase like mat you know patches like or re- recreations of it, things like that
2: yes okay. absolutely
0: who handled costuming for you guys
2: it it was a little bit of a combination of uh, me and Caleb and uh, dusty helms um who our our key wardrobe okay uh
0: Cam, i, I want to bounce back to you for a second uh let's yeah. talk about the cast so you know what were you looking for w- whenever you're casting this the uh, you know tell me who the principals are and, and everything on that
1: uh Chuck murray plays the lead and uh blake introduced me to helm actually and um he was he was actually jumping on board i believe to do some uh um, special effect work and uh, read the script and was interested in it. And so we I, knew I got a video audition of him and I mean, he was perfect. And uh, that's how he got on board. And I feel like he nailed, nailed the role. Um, what,
0: what was it Chuck brought to it that really connected with you?
1: The re- just the realism, you know. Uh, every time I watch it, I don't I don't see Chuck. I see Charlie, the character and uh, what I was looking for is someone that you could see that what he's been through in his eyes, and I think you can see that in Chuck's eyes. It, uh, what about the rest of the cast? Cassie, I had her on my mind even during the writing process. It was just a matter of, of locking down dates and see if she was interested in that kind of thing. And we met with her early on and uh, got her on board quick. And then with S- Scott, he came on late, but he picked it up insanely quick um
2: it was it was re- it was really late when he jumped on board but yeah he he jumped on board um unfortunately yeah. we had an actor that had a dropout but he came in i think two or three days before we even started shooting yeah and i mean he had a couple hiccups maybe
1: the whole time his lines were struck you know the brought on
2: how yeah, was you? We, I, we couldn't be happier with his performance. I mean, he's a, he knocked it out of the park for us. Nice.
1: Well, how big
0: was your crew you were shooting with during this time?
2: Dan, I, it was about, what, 30? I think our biggest day we had 30 cast and crew.
3: Yes. So we had a 15-person crew, um, but then when we got everybody else in the mix, on our biggest day, it was about 30 people. Mm-hmm.
0: Was that all Arkansas cast, or you guys pulling some from other states in the region? I mean, all Arkansas crew, I mean. Yes.
2: It was 100%, if I'm not mistaken, right? Cast yeah. the world, yeah.
0: Is this eligible for uh, incentives or anything, given that it's a short film?
2: I don't, or? I don't believe so. Okay. I don't think so. Okay.
0: Yeah, I wasn't for sure. How That'd nice. <laughs> yeah, it would be. That's something we should work on. For sure, but I think it's fantastic you guys are pulling on such a local crew. I mean, how do you? Because you guys have been doing this for a bit, for a few years around here. How do you feel the crew is within Northwest Arkansas, even statewide? If you've got to do a production,
2: it's it's right up there with any of. I would I would put them up again, or with all the top crew around the country I've ever met. I mean, it's it's. I I really want to help change the narrative of it's not, we're not little Arkansas. And and, I mean, these are professionals with experience and talent that excel at what they do. Um, It's, it's extremely impressive. Okay. Great.
0: So what is next for the film? What are you guys looking to do?
2: Uh, we're, right now, we are just now starting to submit to film festivals. So we are about to crank out a big festival run. Um, so we're, we're really looking forward to that um, and, and see what happens there. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of our goal for now. And uh, we'll see what happens later. Okay.
0: Uh, what about uh, projects for you guys next? Any, any creative endeavors coming up or are y'all sticking kind of close to commercial work this year?
2: Uh, Of course, with COVID, it it was very, um, you know, commercial driven, which was great for for that side of of our uh, business. Uh, We are looking forward for 2021 and we got quite a few um, in the pipeline that uh, we're just trying to work out the details and and bring them here. Okay.
0: And, you know, Uh, yeah. And one last thing, I guess, just before we go is, in case people aren't familiar with Rock Hill, uh, why, why don't you guys tell us what all is available in case someone wanted to uh, you know, utilize the facility?
2: Are you talking about the facility in general? Oh, well, the or, facility. Or our...
0: Yeah, if you want to just kind of uh, totally. elaborate on things.
2: Sure. Um, you know, for we, we really like to describe Rock Hill in two separate uh, stages. Um, we have our you know our film production side and our commercial side. Um, with our film production side, we uh, mainly do production services. So if, if there's somebody out of state that wants to come here and, and shoot, we can um, basically be turnkey for them. Um, as well as uh, we, we try to, I mean, our biggest goal at Rock Hill on that side of things is bring outside dollars into the state. Um, so we are out there trying to meeting with producers and filmmakers and trying to get them to uh, come shoot in Arkansas. Um, and so that's that's our main goal. And, and you know, we want to keep the crew here working. Um, that's that's huge. We don't want people to feel like they have to leave the state to, to get work. Um, and then, Dan, I'll let Dan step in for our commercial side.
3: Yeah, we're, uh, we are really happy to be able to bring film production quality uh, resources to commercial production. So we have the pleasure of having some great local partners that we've been able to serve with commercial production, but we can be a one stop shop resource for all corporate media, uh, including internal videos and that sort of thing. Um, we definitely can give things a pro quality look uh, and we can bring that same crew to the table. Uh, if we're needing to do a major national commercial, which we would be excited to do.
0: Now, one last thing before we go, if people want to find out more about Rockhill Studios, uh, how can they do that?
2: Uh, the best way to do that would be either to go to our website, um, which is rockhill.studio, or you can check us out on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and we even have on our website, if you want to, uh, we have a fill out uh, form if, if, if you want to, join our crew list and uh, see if we can't get you on a project.
0: Okay. Guys, thanks again for being a part of this and chatting about the film. Sound is one of those things. It is a backbone of filmmaking. One of those things that if it's off, you notice it. And you might not even know why the film doesn't seem right, but... It's one of those behind-the-scenes sort of things that if it's not working right, your movie's probably not going to work right. And for the last couple of decades here, going back to you know, mid-aughts, uh, Dwight Chalmers has been a staple here. In Arkansas, in the film scene, I mean, he has also worked across the nation. Uh, you know, he's worked with everybody from Discovery Channel to uh, filmmakers such as our co-founder Jeff Nichols on the film Mud and many, many other productions. Even with Terrence Malick, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But Dwight, aside from just being an incredibly stand-up guy, is extremely knowledgeable, and uh, so we just had a little fun talking about his career and why he loves, you know, working with sound so I'd like to welcome Dwight to the show. Dwight, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks. Yeah, I'm glad glad to get you here and chat about it. So let's just uh, talk about how you got started initially. So for years, you had a studio here in Fayetteville, and you were uh, recording bands?
4: Yeah, I started out um, owning a recording studio, and I'd help bands uh, with their albums or um, from a song to a full album and sometimes albums would go over a couple years to a second album a third album um I did that for close to 20 years in Fayetteville um and uh it was a great time it was uh we had a place an old house that we would run the studio out of and it sounded really nice and i pictured myself doing that uh for forever really uh until I got on set.
0: Well let's talk about how you got on set because uh not to brag but I may have launched your career <laughs> inadvertently inadvertently. Uh so you your first project was in their words with Gabe Gentry, who's a friend of ours, right? And yes. so Gabe, Gabe and I were talking the other day and he, he brought this up and I would forgot about it. So I introduced him to uh, our mutual other mutual friend, Matt, who then, and then Matt introduced Gabe to you. And that's how you got on the project.
4: Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. That's what, that's what he was saying. I was like, Oh, I didn't realize that. So, so yeah. Uh, which I thought it was kind of funny. It's, it's weird how life like you meet one person who introduces you yeah, and it sort of snowballs, but, uh, yeah, I thought it was really cool, but let, let's talk about, um, in their words, and that project, your first opportunity to get out of the studio and into the field when you were working with Gabe on this project for uh, Arkansas PBS back in was that t- 2005,
4: I think. Yeah, well, it was. Um, I was still in the studio, still recording uh, albums, and um, I had just started in post. I recorded, or actually mixed, uh, two different films for some guys out of St. Louis, so I was just getting into it. And then an opportunity came up, like you're saying, through a, a string of friends uh, that really didn't all know each other completely yet um, about this documentary coming coming up, and um, I was just going to supervise the sound on location. And I did that, and we went up to Washington, and it was a tricky shoot because we were there was air- airplanes involved there's hangars involved there was uh tours around washington there was just a lot of aspects that we had to be ready for multiple cameras and i had never done it before but it just made sense to me automatically uh so i ran with it and did it and then by the end of the production gabe had asked me to actually mix the entire project And I was gathering a lot of ambiences while I was in Washington for whoever might mix it just to where they would have a a bed of sound. And Gabe really liked that. And he said, well, why don't you just mix it? And so I did.
0: Did you do much research on like, you know, being there, supervising the sound, you know, in the field? Had you were you that familiar with that or did you just kind of like, well, you know, you figured it out along the way?
4: I pretty much just figured it out. I mean, I called uh, friends who had done it before. No one I knew had really done it professionally on a set. There was just a bunch of small pockets of uh, productions going on at that time. Um, But it made sense that it's kind of like working in the studio, except audio can happen anywhere, and you just have to be ready. And there's a lot more batteries involved. There's a lot more mobile aspects and um, different setups that are, that are always changing. Um, so I learned the camera uh, audio and then the wireless and uh, just really started there. I mean, we only had maybe two wireless mics and a couple uh, shotgun mics on the camera. So it was a pretty small, small start.
0: Yeah, one thing Gabe was saying in our conversation was how great you were to work with on that, that you were, even when like the rest of the crew was kind of like just like, goofing off and stuff like that. It's like, you were plugged in, you were out there doing the ambient sound and like always like on top of it and in the zone. And I know he's very complimentary of that.
4: Oh, that's so, great. That was but, fun. That was a really fun uh, project.
0: Yeah. So, so you went from that, uh, you came back, you mixed it. The film came out on ATN at the time, Arkansas PBS now, what was the next project and how did that come about?
4: Well, at that time, there really wasn't too many dedicated audio folks in Arkansas for on location. There was live sound. There was a lot of studio guys, but nobody really, the idea of just, you know, u- using a couple lavs and a boom. I, I think everyone kind of skipped over that at the time and either uh, went to more exciting things. But I just had a lot of interest in it and getting really clean dialogue, just sounded uh, fun to me, you know, and all the different little things you have to do to achieve that. And I, uh, I was ready to get out of the studio. I'd been there for so many years, being on set and then having new adventure was, was just exciting. So I just ran with it. And r- really soon after that, Uh, There was a commercial, I think within the same week, that popped up in Little Rock. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And so I went to my friends and borrowed a bunch of gear and stayed up late studying uh, everything to do. And I basically showed up with a cardboard box in the back of my car and uh would hide the gear in my car I didn't want to carry in a box so I would just carry in the gear to look professional and um pulled pulled it off and it went well and then next thing you know a reality TV show popped up and then another commercial and then then you've worked with a few different producers and directors and then they want you just to start doing all their stuff so it really snowballed after that
0: were there any uh producers or directors that you know you felt really helped grow your career and they kind of championed you over time.
4: Yeah. uh, Early on uh, David folks and Gabe Gentry for sure gave me that push. Um, And even David folks said, you know, you'll probably end up moving to little rock. And I just looked at him like he was crazy. And sure enough, within a year um, I moved down there and started doing a lot of commercial work there really wasn't any film for me then um, but just a lot of commercial and then um, some reality tv and documentaries and um, and then while i was down there jeff daly was involved with this new project that he really couldn't talk about and he needed an audio guy. And I, by that time I had bought some gear and I was ready to start taking on gigs. And, um, so we went up to Northeast Arkansas and started working with this uh, director and we Did that. I did that for about a hundred days over two years, and that project was uh west of Memphis, um, the West Memphis Three story, and so that was really exciting. And then, um, after that, I got a gig on a film called Mud that shot here or in South Arkansas, and as a sound utility position. And I hadn't, like I said, I hadn't worked on a film set yet, but that was a really good place to start because sound utility, you really learn it from the ground up. Um, you might do a little bit of second boom, um, but you really just have a handful of things that you're in charge of. To uh, It's like a PA for the sound department pretty much. Um, and that was a great experience and. Then um, through that, I met Sarah Green, and she took me on a Terrence Malick project. Um, The entire time I've been doing sound, even in the studio world, I've loved recording uh, natural sounds and just going out and recording ambiences, and I had quite a big uh, collection of ambiences And um, she heard about it and said uh, that uh, I would probably get along with uh, Terrence pretty well. And so we went to New Mexico and Colorado and worked on an IMAX movie, Um, and that was really amazing. It it was called uh, Voyage of Time. Did uh, you did Malik? Did you learn anything from
0: him? You know, or just even just being on set there? You know, what was that experience like?
4: um uh, that was really really eye opening um it's uh anything can change at any moment um and um natural sound is very important to him, so I uh, would try to set recorders out and really capture a lot of things in the morning and uh in the evening and the bug how the bugs change and really try to make something nice that they would have. Uh, for post and and when they uh, finish up shooting and go into the studio to start laying in backgrounds and beds and uh, sound effects.
0: Let's hop back to West Memphis real quick. And that you said two hundred days
4: total, or, or one hundred days over the course of two years or something. For me, it was about a hundred days over two years.
0: Okay, and that was the project that Peter Jackson uh, uh, produced, right?
4: Yes. Yes. He and a friend, uh, were in charge of that. And then we were just the local crew on, on the ground here.
0: Now, weren't you there the night that they were released up in Memphis? Like, weren't you at the after party and like, Mm -hmm. were you guys recording or hanging out?
4: Well, we had followed all the action that day and a few days leading up to it, um, as a documentary team, um, A lot of the people that were coming into town and all the logistics of the release, and we were up at the release covering it um, as a team. Um, Then we had to get interviews after, and that took pretty much the rest of the day. So going to the after party was never really an option because by then we were so beat after a 16-hour day. We decided just to go back to the hotel and go to sleep.
0: Uh, were there any, you know, good times on mud, you know, like, cause it was primarily an Arkansas crew, right? So it was just like a lot of the guys you had worked with, you know, men and women, I mean, that you had
2: worked with mm-hmm. here in Arkansas on projects.
4: Yeah. A lot of us, you know, mud was a, a start for a lot of us, um, in any department, you know, that was really the, the first big movie in a long time that had come through. And so. A lot of my friends were on it. Uh, there was a lot of out of towners. It was a big union film, you know, for for us. And so there was uh, there was local spots, non union spots that needed to be filled, and sound utility was one of them. So I, I got on there, and a lot of my friends, you know, we would we would help each other because um, if if you need something from another department and you don't know anybody in the department except that one local person they're the person that's going to help you out. So, um, it was good. It was, it was a good experience. It it was, uh, late nights and we would get rained on and it was full of adventure. Did
0: you learn much from like those union guys? I mean, since you were sort of like, in a sense, their PA, did, did you expand your knowledge of how to do it on a larger scale set?
4: Yeah. You learn the flow, um, of the set and the cadence of the roles and, how to approach actors or not approach actors, um, and keeping everything in sync—that's the most important thing. Um, the audio department is—you try to—you try not to be seen, and the only time that there's a problem, that's when if the audio department starts talking, then there's a problem, and so we try to just stay out of the way, keep everything in sync get great sound um, and just keep the show going um, and basically just try to stay out of the way.
0: Well, you know, when you're out there on set, what are, you know, what are some of the the good things and some of the downsides of it or the challenges probably more so than the downsides? Mm If you did that life, what, for 10, 15 years, 13 years, was it, that you worked on sets?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Working on sets, you know, the, the crew's going to change every, Every show, and uh, sometimes you might have a busy week where there's three different productions that come in in one week, and you just do a day on each. But keeping your gear ready, uh, making sure your gear is working. Um, If you have rental gear, just pretty much assume that there's something wrong with it, and you need to figure out what it is before the shoot. So um, if you think that things should be okay, then they probably won't be okay. You need to really make sure that they are going to be okay. Um, so you have to do your homework and just be ready. Um, know your gear, know where it is, have enough batteries, have enough. If there's that one cable and it's getting a little bit fragile overnight, another, you know, it's, it's the small things like that, that, um, when you end up way, you know, at a remote location on set somewhere, you may have thought you're shooting downtown and you're close to your apartment, but really, the set for the second half of the day is an hour and a half away out in a field, so you really just have to make sure that you uh you know your gear and that you have everything you need
0: you know, what had been uh were there any other big projects you'd like to discuss that you enjoyed a lot
2: over the years
4: um you know greater was another project that where a lot of locals came together. Um, it was shot in Northwest Arkansas. Um, and that was a that was a really great experience because we had all been through a handful of films and then that was I think my first one to be the main sound mixer on because a lot of times in the sound department you start out as boom or you start out as sound utility um or and you might stay there and not not have any plans of acquiring gear but then um in some cases you get gear and you move up and um so that that was a really good experience it was a very tough film to make there was a lot of moving parts and the the football aspect but i think we were we were all really uh really happy about it afterwards
0: How did you go about getting sound for the football? Did you go to some of the games with gear and get to record? Or was there, like, some that you guys could just purchase and mix it in post?
4: I was only involved – actually, I was involved uh, on set getting, you know, dialogue and everything. Uh, But the director had cleared it for me to go to one of the games and basically walk along the sidelines with my recorder and get tons of of great sound. Um, and weirdly enough, I had already started a, a football collection, and I had gone to the games with a recorder and gone to outside the stadium with a recorder probably five years before because I just kind of had a feeling that a football game may pop up at some point um, or a football movie. And um, so I had several years of recordings by the time we were ready to go on it, Um, I wasn't in post on that movie, but then we turned all those recordings in. And then once it leaves your hands, you really don't know what is yours and what is bought out of a collection. But as having some post experience now, it takes all of it. It takes everything you can get on set. It takes everything you've got in your sound effects collection. Um, And then still you probably need a little bit more. Actually, all the birds... Uh, have flown south that was a really important movie as well because that brought a lot of local crew together um that was that was a great experience the miller brothers um filming in little rock and uh and and knowing those guys and being able to talk to them about their film for a couple of years you know they would uh they were working on it for quite a while before they they filmed it so we were all aware as a friend group what they were working on. And it was exciting to see it finally come about. And um, a lot of friends and a lot of uh, good memories on that getting snowed, almost snowed in uh, on set one night. Uh, so there's, there are some uh, interesting times.
0: Tell me, you've talked a lot about going out and just, you know, kind of recording sounds in the film on your own accord, but you have done this and created your own films and like, uh ambient kind of uh, experimental films
4: right yeah yeah i um shoot a lot of super 8 and uh we'll just capture some imagery here and there and make a story and uh it's kind of a long form thing where a short film may take me a couple years to finish but i wait and find the locations naturally in life instead of making a list of everything I need right now to do the shoot so um, it started to come together with the super 8 imagery and the sound effects collection to really experiment with that um, and put some uh put some films together of different environments and kind of put them into film festivals and that was one thing that that you know right now with We're coming towards the end of COVID when we're recording this. So one thing I really miss or really miss is uh, the film festival. Uh, You know, we had a lot of fun making short films, putting in them into festivals, and traveling to the festivals and meeting people. And uh, even though they've gone virtual, it's a little bit different. You know, I'm looking forward to those coming back, but. Yeah, I did a a festival run with with my own short films and uh, um, Angela Carpenter uh, co-produced with her on some films and uh, even uh, Josh Miller is involved in in some of mine as well. So yeah, it's fun. Well,
0: one, one other question is like, what do you prefer doing like the Foley Arts aspect of things or do you like mixing better?
4: Oh, as opposed to being on set and being in post
0: yeah yeah onset film work versus you know you know being behind you
4: know oh okay gotcha Yeah. yeah
0: the mixing board yeah
4: yeah well um so i i i've always loved location sound and then i figured i would be doing that for quite a while and in 2007 2008 I kind of had a plan to maybe do it for 10 or so years and then get back into post production. And um, I just kind of ran with that. And about a year and a half ago, a friend of mine, Zach Kennedy, started talking about putting together a surround sound mixing room and Dolby Atmos room. And he did. And a year and a half ago, he said, "If I put it together, I'd like for you to run it." And so we just kind of operated off that that might happen. It might not, and it happened. And um, it's real exciting. This is kind of the the next step of my career, I guess. Is now I'm in post full time, and I'm I'm sitting right now in a Dolby Atmos seven point one point four mixing room, um, and uh, my first day was February first, so I'm I'm freshly up here and we today was the first day we're starting uh our first feature up here uh in post production.
0: And uh Zach's company being Prisma up, up in Bitonville.
4: Yeah, the company is uh Prisma Post and uh it's uh David Adair and uh Zach Kennedy.
0: So, you're talking about, you know, feature is kicking off now for doing the post on that. But you also, you you guys have done some shorts. You worked on Blood on the Risers. I, I was up there with you the day you were mixing that. You were mixing for Dol- Dolby that day, right?
4: Yeah. We, uh, through Rock Hill, um, Blake Elder, um, he was telling me about a short he was doing last summer. And I couldn't be involved on set. I was in Utah on a History Channel show for 13 weeks. So I told him I can't be on set, but let me definitely be involved in post. And so finally the sound design came around and uh, Foley and um, a sound editor, John McCallum, he uh, helped me out on it. And we just went to town on it and did all the sound design. And then once we got At a certain point, we brought it up to Prisma and then did our 7.1 mix and then expanded that out to a Dolby Atmos mix. Uh, So uh, that's been real exciting. Uh, It's a great story, and it has left a lot of creativity uh, that we can uh, design in the sound to help tell the story.
0: And it, hasn't it won a couple of awards for sound, or am I
4: mistaken on that? It won an award for sound design and production design recently.
0: And you mentioned uh, John. He, you brought him onto the in, in Your Words project, didn't you?
4: Actually, yeah. Yeah, he was involved yeah. in that. Yeah, he uh, was composer.
0: Yeah, that's just, I guess that's one of the good things about, and, you know, I, I've talked to people in LA who it seems to sort of happen out there some too, but just being here, we're so much smaller that it's like, you, you've always got a friend who it knows how to do it, or they've got a friend who knows how to do it. And it sort of comes together like that. Um, so you're, you're loving doing, you know, being there up there at Prisma and, and doing your thing with that.
4: Yeah, it's great. You know, it's, uh, it's neat to see a bunch of worlds come together, um, the location sound world. Uh, I still do a little bit. We have uh, shoots that we go out on, but say even just getting in all the tracks for a short or a feature and going through those and organizing them, and then uh, if there's any denoising or anything that, any uh, issues that we need to kind of investigate and uh, make sure things stay in sync, and then there's a lot of work and prep you have to do, and then you get to get into the sound design element, and then the mixing element, and so there's a lot of things that I've done over the years that are now all coming together here, um, pretty much uh, in post production. So that that's real exciting for me.
0: You mentioned to me that like your nephews, like you've kind of gotten them into recording over the years, and now you work with one of them, right?
4: Yeah. Um, for years, I've been giving any. Uh, gear that I had phased out of the studio I would give it to my nephews and they were both musicians and it was neat to see them hook everything up in their basement and just go for it and have friends over and record and so I would funnel them any any kind of gear I could and um they're they're both really great editors and uh, motion graphics guys and musicians and um uh, ben Drain and Taylor Drain and their, uh, uh, Ben actually got a job here as a motion graphics uh, and editor and their location sound guy and so it's really come together now on features. Um, I'm training him how to be a dialogue mixer and he's already a good uh, sound effects cutter and so uh, Ben and I will be taking on a a lot of the work up here what do
0: you have any advice for uh you know people like, like uh Ben's age that the, the younger generation if they want to get in to what you do and working with sound
4: I think working with sound I would say try to you know just try to start messing with it any way you can whether it's through a church or a radio station or a tv station um I did all of those um Anything you can do just to see how all the different setups work and uh, how they're calibrated and uh, just uh, get started somehow. If you want to do specifically film, um, you know, when film festivals, I always recommend people start going to film festivals when they come back because uh, the people that you'll meet there, someone may uh, call you six months from now or after the festival, and say, hey, I've got a project, and and I remember you saying you wanted to be involved. Um, and that's how I got a lot of work early on, was just going to festivals and networking that way, um, and working on other people's short films, because there most likely will be somebody on that short film that ends up with a commercial project and a budget, and they're going to look at all the people that they've worked with recently and um, kind of check everyone's availability. And um, kind of like uh, with the Gabe Gentry project, that's pretty much how that worked. You know, he looked to his own network early on to, of of friends and uh, people in production that he had already worked with. Um, so that's pretty much uh, just start out that way. And um, then when a, a movie comes through, if you want to go that route, uh even being pa on a film and being able to see how things work um, is is really uh, valuable as well. Just because you can't get in the sound department or the um, camera department. Just getting on somehow and seeing, it, seeing if, it, if it's for you. And um, if you get addicted to it and want to do another and another, that's kind of how it works. I've told people that so, some people don't go looking for uh, film. A lot of times film will find you. And, uh, you just start out and, uh, go from project to project. And then next thing you know, 10 years has gone by. Well,
0: Dwight, I appreciate you hanging out and talking with me today. Is there anything else you want to mention about, you know, what you do or, you know, shout outs to anybody, you know, anything like that?
4: Um, well, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of things going on, uh, Post COVID now, so they're starting to come back, and uh, I I think um, I'm impressed with um, Prisma and Rock Hill. Rock, uh, Rock Hill's really uh, going out there and doing some stuff, and um, it's good to see that that things are starting to come back. You know, there's some stuff moving along in Little Rock, and I think um, there's some shorts being filmed, and and that's good to see. You know, I I can't really think of everybody uh that's working right now, but it's it's good to see that people are, are are going ahead and uh getting back to work and at least scheduling projects um because there for a while there was zero going on in in all our lives uh during the shutdown so um yeah basically it's it's just great to see uh, everybody working now.
0: Well, Dwight, thank you again for taking the time to chat and tell us all about sound. And yeah, happy to have you back anytime.
4: All right. Thanks, Cody. I appreciate it.
0: Real Talk Arkansas
4: is produced
0: by Christian Lewis and Cody Ford. Theme music by Amos Cochran. Thank you for listening and tune in next time. To find out more about Arkansas Cinema Society, visit our website, www. ArkansasCinemaSociety.org